0: You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, June the 20th, in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what do we do on Mondays? We take a look at a reading for the following Sunday, which is the third Sunday after Pentecost, June the 26th, in the year of our Lord 2022. We're going to be taking a look at Galatians beginning with chapter 5, verse 1, moving to 13 to 25, those verses. But I want to give you a little background of that. If you take a look at last week's lesson, it was from Galatians 3, uh, 23 to 4, verse 7. And what did it talk about? It talked about one of the most important law and gospel understandings of holy scripture now before faith came it says we were held captive under the law imprisoned imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed now we explain what all that meant and we use the analogy of a child well, when you have a child, we had three children, and I'm a pastor. My wife's a very faithful Lutheran. Our children never sinned. No, I, I took a pause there for the laughter to continue. Of course they sinned. Children sin because by nature, they're born as sinners. So How did we control them? We controlled them by use of the law. We had a whole number of set of rules, what time to come home for dinner, how to clean your room, how to be dressed properly for school, for church, etc. There were all kinds of rules. And those rules, they kind of continued for some time as children tend to be disobedient but finally we get to a point where the children so love the parents that when the parents have a need of something the children are only too quick to respond and they do so gleefully joyfully and happily because of their love for their parents so they are released from the rules for example when I got married and we had children we came home there were no longer a set of rules that we had to follow parents didn't say well you need to be in bed by 10 o'clock or this or that or that no There were guidelines as to what they were doing, and so if we wanted to go to church, we had to be ready, but it wasn't a rule with punishments. And this is a very, very important note to make. A lot of times when people hear the law, they always think it's the same kind of law. What do I mean by that? God has three uses of the law. The first use is the governmental use, where, well, punishment is given to those who are wicked. If you go over the speed limit, you get a ticket. If you rob a bank, you go to jail. So that's the law of the government. The most important use of the law is the second use of the law, And that's used for the church. In fact, the second and third uses of the law are specifically used for the church. What's the second use of the law? The second use of the law helps people to realize where they have sinned. And it is an accusation of the law. In in other words, It just doesn't tell you what you are to do. It actually has a punishment. In other words, you cannot read the Bible without finding out that when you disobey God's will, there are always negative consequences. Now, those negative consequences may take place in actions that occur because of what you've done. Like if you're driving with alcohol, you may have an accident and hurt yourself and others. Or it may be mental kinds of consequences where you realize what you've done is wrong and it really, really bothers you. That's the second use of the law. And it is used in the church to accuse people of their sins so that they will therefore realize they need salvation outside of themselves. Every religion believes that the way you receive salvation is within yourself by doing good works. And the idols of these religions therefore reward you for what you have done. In other words, salvation is not a gift. It is actually something you merit in contrast to Christians who inherit salvation. It's really quite a difference. Now, what's the third use of the law? This is where some people get really confused. Because the third use of the law, a lot of people take as a second use of the law. But a good example would be in Exodus when God provides the commandments. You shall have no other God before me. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, these are not necessarily with vengeance applied to them. These are really information to you as to what the will of God is. It is law, but it is not accusation. It is information. That's quite a difference. Now, why is that necessary? Well, it's necessary because it is only for Christians. Unbelievers, they do not like the second use of the law, accusing them of sin, and they disagree with the third use of the law. Just take a look at how many people in this country today are acting. They're acting not according to God's will. They're acting according to their own will. They decide what is right behavior. And this was a real problem even at the time of the Reformation. Because at the time of the Reformation, there were those who felt that when you are baptized and you receive the Holy Spirit, you no longer need the law of God to tell you what is proper discipline, what is proper behavior. You listen to the Spirit within you. And this is why so many people have wrong views in this country as to what the will of God is. Those wrong views are really on the basis of deciding what is good for me, not what God thinks is good for me. And so while you are born imprisoned by the law. And we saw that in last week's reading. You are freed from that prison through faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that prior to faith, you are forced to do the will of God by means of punishments, uh, by means of of other things that tell you this is what you should do. So sometimes you outwardly obey the will of God, but not because you want to. You are an unbeliever. However, as the text says, now that faith has come, you are no longer under a guardian, the law. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does that mean? It means now that you have faith in Jesus Christ, you desire to obey him, and whatever his will is, according to the scripture, that becomes your will. In fact, in a worship service, we often confess our sins. The only people who can confess their sins are believers. because unbelievers, they don't like to confess sins. Number one, they don't think they're that big a sinner. Uh, number two, it's kind of embarrassing, and so they don't want to do something that's embarrassing to them. This is why an important point of long gospel, is that when a person truly confesses his or her sins to God, guess what? That is a true believer. Only believers can confess their sins to God. And the reason they can do so is they have realized that Jesus has freed them from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? In the day that you sin, you will die eternally. That is freed through faith in Jesus Christ. Because what happens when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you begin to love the law of God and to follow it because of your trust in Jesus himself which leads us to our lesson for this coming Sunday. Galatians 5.1 begins, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, if you have to have the law, to get you to do what God wants you to do with punishments and threats. That's not freedom. That is slavery. But we were called to free them. So Paul continues in verse 13. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Well, that is God's will for us, that when we have faith in Jesus Christ, our greatest task is to show love to the neighbor. And when we do not do that, we are repentant. We recognize our error. We ask God for forgiveness, which only can happen with an unbeliever because others never ask God for forgiveness. They say they will work out their own forgiveness, and they do that by making it up to others. Paul continues in verse 16, of Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to recognize what is the will of God. And you enjoy hearing that, because You love to please God. You don't do the works of the Spirit to please God in order to get to heaven. You do works of the Spirit to please God as thankfulness that you are on your way to heaven, which has occurred in your baptism. Because according to Peter in the Pentecost sermon, be baptized, and you will receive not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, but also the forgiveness of sins. I'm not really sure the world understands forgiveness. They think they have to earn forgiveness by doing good, and therefore a lot of times they'll say things like, why is this happening to me? What have I done wrong that this happens to me? Well, I will try and do right, and then it won't happen. But as an unbeliever, you still get the negative consequences of living because your life is living under sin. Paul says, you have freedom, but don't consider that freedom as something whereby, verse 16, you can now gratify the desires of the flesh because the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, listen to verse 18, you are not under the law. Now, what does it mean to be under the law? It means you are under the curse of the law you are under the punishments of the law. You live your life, and when you try to obey the law outwardly, it's to get rid of the punishments. It's to be saved. It's not to please God. But when you live according to the Spirit, you want to please God. And if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Under the law, an example would be a child that is misused by the parents. They yell at you. They may treat you wrongfully. They may do things that are wrong. And you can hardly wait to get out of the household because you are under the power of those parents. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law because you are instead under grace. God forgives your sin. You know what that means? That means that God doesn't hold you accountable for your sin. You will not find that in any other religion of the world. It's only found in Christianity. And when you are not led by the spirit and you are under the law, beginning in verse 19, Paul talks about the works of the flesh are evident. Number one is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, then, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ooh. Now, that's a great question to begin a sermon, because who in the congregation does not do these things to some degree? Who is Not leading others to strife or enmity or jealousy or has fits of anger or has envy and such. Well, if you have these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. How does that fit with the idea of following things being led by the Spirit? Well, the difference is. Yes, Christians continue to sin in these areas. But because of the Holy Spirit, they recognize their sin and repent of it. That repentance only can properly be done by a Christian. And what does that mean? It means that the Christian is contrite over what they are doing to Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you, and yet you turn around and do these things. But when you realize they are wrong, you repent of them, and guess what? You are forgiven. And what is forgiven? forgiveness mean it means you are no longer held accountable for what what you have done therefore you then can move to the fruit of the spirit and paul names those love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against these things there is no law which will punish you that's very very important fact that led by the spirit what do we do verse 24 says those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does that mean? Well, we suffer as Jesus did on the cross for our sins. We suffer in grief over the sins that we have done, which leads us to repentance, and then which leads us to hearing the words of absolution. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and by the authority of Jesus Christ. That means by his command, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We remind people again of the words they heard in their baptism. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even though we continue to sin, through repentance we therefore receive that joy and that gladness and that comfort that our sins are not going to be held against us. That's the difference between law and gospel. For under the gospel, what we are hearing is the forgiveness of sins given to us by Jesus We do not deserve that forgiveness. We do not merit or earn that forgiveness. We inherit it because we are freed from the curse of the law and made sons of God. So Paul finishes with verse 25. If we live by the Spirit let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us enjoy the good works that God has given us to do in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we will have a hymn we'll be looking at, Come, Follow me, the Savior spake. And it is going to be dealing directly with the works of the Holy Spirit. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel. Join us tomorrow. God bless you.